I will be reading from Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 23. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. This Lent, we've been on the journey of the last 24 hours of Jesus' holiday in Jerusalem. We've been to the upper room, the garden, and the court. But I know some people may not want to join today's tour because we will go to the prison with Jesus where he was tortured and humiliated. We know how it is extremely violent and gory. If you've seen the movie Passion of Christ, you know how it is disgusting and realize how much human can be demonic. But the Gospels, did, did, want to, did not want to pass the hour of Christ in prison. Rather, church highlighted the hour in prison. The question is, is there any relevance to us with Jesus in prison? especially the torture and humiliation. How do you find link between Jesus in prison and you in the world? The church in the world today, how do we make connection? I would like to find out. It was a Friday, 8 in the morning. Jesus was still in the Antonia fortress. Mark's Gospel tells us Roman soldiers took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. It was the prison where Jesus was flogged. What does prison remind you? What does prison Remind you. 
It reminds me isolating the dangerous people from society, incarcerating them for punishment and rehabilitation. What does it mean for Jesus in prison then? The holy and incarnated God had to be incarcerated. Why was Jesus humiliated and punished? It is illogical for us, but it is logical for God. Because it was for our fate, our sin to death, the eternal death, And only God can take our fate. Only God can take our condemnation because only God can condemn us. Only God can condemn sin. Only God can judge the sinners. So the prophet Isaiah said, Surely he was born our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. But still, it is unfathomable fact what on earth I am. Who are you? Are we so precious and worthy God to suffer and die? What wondrous love is this? We will just wonder. We have no idea. What kind of love is this? How God respects us and see the image of God in us, in us, in our sinful nature, in our brokenness, in our denial, in our betrayal, life. How God could see the image of God in us. They called it the scorpion. A whip was made of leather, braided with bits of stone, metal, glass, and pieces of bone to tear flesh off from bone. Third century church historian used to be said, the sufferer's veins were laid bare and the very muscles and tendons and valves of the victim were opened to exposure. 
I cannot understand. Why did Pilate let soldiers to torture Jesus brutally? He knew Jesus was innocent and no threat to Rome. Maybe because Jesus took the place of Barabbas, he atoned Barabbas, who was real threat to Pilate. So he wanted Jesus as an example to terrorize the people of Israel, not to rebel against the Roman Empire. So Jesus was a scapegoat. But in the prison, what really the crowd has seen was themselves, Israel. They are the one being tortured and humiliated every day of their life by Roman Empire. So the reality of suffering Judah was for the disobedience to God. What do you see in church today? What do we see church in today? Church is in the prison. Church is being tortured and humiliated by the society. But it is the reality of our nation. We are powerful. The whole world thinks we are a great nation. But we know we are intoxicated with the insatiable entertainment, sports, selfishness, violence, addiction, pornography, especially indifference to others. Indifference to others. And church is suffering for our nation. After Jesus being tortured physically, the soldiers brought the whole battalion. It's about between 300 to 600 soldiers. They clothed Jesus in a purple robe, which means the king and put the crown of thorns on his head, and they humiliated Jesus. Hail, King of the Jews! And they started striking his head with the reed and spitting on him as they leaned down in homage to him. So the soldiers entertained themselves with the humiliating Jesus, helpless Jesus. Have you ever hailed Jesus as a king on Sunday but mocked him by your words and deeds on your weekdays? Today's society entertained themselves with the humiliating church. 
because many churches, many Christians are no longer being church, no longer being Christian. The world, our society, stripped the church, exposed the church, its greed for money and power, and deviating its theology. And church not caring for Jesus. We say we love Jesus, we believe Jesus, but we don't do Jesus. We don't follow his way and his mission. So do our society label Christians as nominal Christian, Sunday Christian. For our unholy, hypocrite daily life. But what if church, Christians live holy life and practice genuine love? What if we are being accountable for our faith, our daily life? Not in your Bible study group, not in the Sunday in the pew. But in your living room, in your bedroom, in your office, in your car, in your classroom, wherever you are, what if Christians being accountable for their faith? Will our society keep humiliating us and torturing us? Even they do. They're just manifesting they're shaming guilt. Because we're bright. Because we're salt. But they are not. So they will know the differences. But if we are still we are in darkness, if we lost our taste, then they will continue to humiliate us and torture us. If we have genuine faith, if we are faithful to Jesus every day of our life, we will rehabilitate our society, our country, by our holiness, by our faith. And you are commissioned to your family, to your office, to your your workplace, to your friends, to restore them by your holy life, by my faith. Again, to change the world, we must change ourselves first. To restore our nation, church must be restored first. I believe we are. The first church is trying to do that. Restore our church 
the soldiers led Jesus out to crucify, but Jesus could not carry the cross. It was only three-quarter mile, but Jesus couldn't carry the cross, the beam, because he was tortured. So the soldiers compelled a man named Simon to carry the cross for Jesus. He was from Cyrene, today's Livia. By his name, Simon, we assume he was a diaspora Jew. Travel Jerusalem, visited Jerusalem for the Passover as a pilgrim. But Mark gave us great hint what this event turned out. Verse 21 says, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, 36 years later, Apostle Paul sent a letter to church in Rome saying, Greet Rufus, chosen the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. We believe this is the same Rufus, the son of Simon of Cyrene. And his wife became Christian in Rome and leader of church in Rome. 36 years later, by this compelling, unwanted event for Simon. Sometimes we are compelled to do unwanted things, experience trials, inevitable. But God changed us more often with our calamities than successful situation, isn't it? God changed us by them, such as our illness, our financial problem, our broken relationship, even by accident, car accident. Fire, losing your precious. What does compel you today? What does, compel, what does God compel you nowadays? What struggling and challenging situations are you in? What kind of prison you are in now? Remember, our lives is in the prison. Our life is in the prison. You can't get out of it. Right? Until we depart, until we die, we are in prison. The life, but the life is God's command. Amen. Command to live. That's why we live. It's not choice to live. Life is command of God to live. So we are commissioned to live wherever you are. God sent you there. You think you made that choice. You took the path where you are now. But God 
brought you there. Those people you encounter, God entrusts them to you. Your next door, your co-worker, your best friends, your family, your niece, your nephew. They are specially assigned to you. You are the responsible for them. Life's challenges and compelling situations are inevitable, but we must find the meaning and purpose of them. The Romans called the hill Calvaria, which means skull in Latin, because Romans crucify over average 3,000 Jews each year on the hill. Actually, they, on the highway, on the main street, they put the cross along the street and hang them. Over 3,000 Jews every year. It's a hill of a skull, bones. The Calvary reminds me the prophecy of Ezekiel. In his vision, God took him to the valley of the dry bones. And God asked him, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel answered, O Lord God, you know. Then God said, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause the breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause the flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And it happened. When Ezekiel prophesied, the bones came together and became great army of God, the people of God, the people of Israel. Friends, we are on the hill. We're on the hill of Calvary today. We see dry bones everywhere. The lifeless people, hopeless people, Godless people. Aren't we? What should we do? We are called to be the prophets. I'm not the only prophets in this church. You are all prophets. You are called to be the high priest and prophets. You ought to speak the words of God through your life. What if we do that? We must preach the word of God to our community, especially those people 
need of word of God, in need of faith in Christ, we must speak to the word of God to them, the dry bone. But preaching the word of God, I told you over and over, the word of God in Hebrew is dabar, which means God's word must be realized. So as God said, let there be light, and there's light. And if we say, I love you, brother, then we must love the brother. I forgive you, brother, and we must forgive them. I care for this community. We really have to care for this community. And not just saying it. But many churches and many Christians just been saying it. Just deliver the information of what Bible says. See Bible, John, verse whatever, John 3.16 says so and so. Mm-mm, no, no, no. That's what you do in the Bible study with pastor. You have to be the living word to them. You don't have to say anything to them. You just do it. If we live out the word of God, the people of Ephrata and our country, wherever the nation we reach out, they are witnessing the living word, the bar, the word of God. They will experience life. They will experience God through us. We have to be pure and clear because people can see God only through you and me. So it is such an overwhelming burden, overwhelming responsibility. That's what you choose. When you say, I want to be a Christian, that's how heavy your responsibility is. You have to be witnessing the Word of God, which is exactly opposite direction from this direction of the world. It's not easy. Sisters and brothers in Christ, remember, we are in the prison. We are in the bondage. We are helpless. But we are not. We are in free. We are free. And we are powerful. We are joyful because we are in Christ. But the world, the soldiers, the crowd think they are in the freedom. They have a power over us, but they are not. They are in the bondage. They are in the prison, eternal prison. We have to let them know by we being in prison for them. We are in the prison for them. We are existing for others. But if church is existing for ourselves, 
There's no message from church. There's no power of God in church. So friends, remember we are in the prison and tortured and humiliated for the world. Not for ourselves. And it is our cross we must carry. Jesus said, to follow me, take your cross and follow me. I want to close today worship singing the hymn called The Old Rugged Cross. I want you to pay attention to the verse 2. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, but has a wondrous attraction for me. So despised by the world, but so attraction, I'm cling to this cross for being despised because this person knew the power, the attraction, the, the greatness, the amazing love and power and peace, the victory in the cross. The cross is torture and humiliation for the world. So they treat us like that. So we are despised by the world, but it is wondrous attraction for us. And we boast about being despised. If church is praised by the world, we are wrong. Something is wrong with the church. If your life is so, so get along well with your atheist non, non-believers, those nominal Christians, your life is wrong. Something is wrong. Because they are going wrong direction. They got to see that something is wrong with us. And they criticize us. And then we are on the right track. Don't try to be loved. Don't try to make everybody happy. This is a hard choice. Christianity is a hard choice. But remember, the cross is the power of a church. It is the message of God's finite love. Let's stand and let's sing together. Let us sing together the old rugged cross.
Friends, I send you with these words from Jesus Christ. Jesus explained what is cross. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus said his yoke is a cross. His yoke is easy and light because this cross is for others' blessing. This cross, we take off our cross for our blessing, take it off and take the yoke cross for blessing of others. And Jesus said, it is light and easy. Amen. Amen.